Welcome to your old soul, Speedy. The old phrase of the day is gin joint. Gin joint. As wow. in, of all I the gin I wish that was a radio jingle. In all the towns, in all the world, and she walks into 98.5 FM, the gin joint. <laughs> <laughs> Our new radio station. <laughs> no, do you know what I'm quoting? Oh, yes. Well, from Casablanca. Casablanca, With the a movie. Of gin joint. Where they say Casablanca the entire time, and no one in America can still get it right. The whole like, the whole move, they're like, "Welcome to Casablanca," and then everyone here still says Casablanca. Like, we just in when you're out the other. It's true. Well, also with my Chicago accent, I am worried about it every time I say it. Casablanca. Oh, Casablanca. 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 I can't. I can't, I can't say Casablanca. <laughs> I can't. I, I can't. can't. Neil can't Lamont ain't people. Uh, so I picked that because one of the things we're talking about, in addition to some other things, because uh, we usually talk about relevant things first, uh, is <laughs> because uh, we're talking about Casablanca. Ca- <clears throat> Casablanca. <laughs> Casa. My American is showing. Casablanca. Uh, Casablanca. Casablanca. Sorry. The <laughs> movie that is considered the greatest movie ever not named Citizen Kane, but my favorite movie of all time is turning 80. Well, it turned 80 in November. It technically, it won Best Picture at the 1944 Oscars because it really had its big release in 43, but as we'll talk about later, they actually moved it up to technically premiere in 42. Because there was about to be a, I believe, and I mean, I'll just read it so I don't get this wrong. I believe they're, this is from Wikipedia. Uh, they moved it up to premiere in the Hollywood Theater in, in New York City in November 26, 1942 to capitalize on Operation Torch, the Allied invasion of French North Africa and the capture of Casablanca. So it literally preceded the allied invasion of the city this movie takes place in because this movie actually took place during World War II and came out during World War II. So that's kind of crazy. But uh, a gin joint is a phrase we don't use enough. I Googled it, according to the internet. Uh, A gin joint (laughs) is a commercial establishment where alcoholic beverages are sold and consumed, especially one which is shabby or down market. So if you go to a gin joint, it better be shabby or you're not in an official gin joint. I'm glad to hear that is the definition, because that is kind of what I picture. Not not quite a speakeasy. It's not illegal, but it just feels a little more run-down, seedier, gin yes. joint. There needs to be, like, a sassy piano player. <laughs> like, it, you know what I mean? Yeah. They're not playing, like, show tunes. Right. Like a... Piano that makes you upset to be there, maybe. Yeah, and yeah. when you walk in, there's like a record scratch. Like everyone looks up at you real quick because <laughs> you don't belong in the gin joint. Right. Everybody was looking down into their beer, and then the second yes. you walk in, they look up through they their eyebrows up. at you. <laughs> They're like, "Who let this schmuck in, huh?" Hey, kid. <laughs> into this. Gin you don't come joint. in this gin joint. When we lived in Tampa, they're actually is a, a place there called the gin joint is there really yes and it's a date like they tried to get that vibe but of course like charcuterie was 35 dollars 
but like they tried to look like that vibe while still being overpriced. Wow, right. $35 charcuterie board, but then they like took a hammer to the bar stools, I imagine. Look at how roughed up this place is. Uh, You're too LA, man. I can't. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Have I become what I feared? No, I just feel like in LA there's like bars that are like, it's like a speakeasy, but it's like on the water. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Like it's on the Huntington Beach Pier, but it's a speakeasy because (laughs) there's one flapper girl picture. (laughs) Sorry. Right. And all the rust has been evenly applied with a paintbrush. You know, it's just not so there, real. There's somebody in L.A. whose specialty is rust painting. Like, they'll, they'll paint yes. your place to look rusty. <laughs> That's a job. That is a job. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. And well, I now I'm going on a humongous tangent, but I've been enjoying watching furniture videos and people who flip furniture, and some of them will fix it up real nice and then hit it with a hammer punch in a nail and take it out to make it look weathered at the end and and to get that weathered look to get that weathered look where's the authenticity (laughs) my old i know like it's it's happening like i know in like five years and we can come back to this episode my fiance tina will be looking for a house and we'll pretend like I have a say, but it's really up to her. <laughs> and we'll go and we'll find a house, and it's going to be in a cabin in the woods. And she's going to say, but, Danny, it has exposed brick. <laughs> <laughs> and then what? I'll be stuck with this cabin because it has exposed brick. You know what? Uh, I, I think she's on the right track. How can you say No. To expose I know. brick. I've How met so many no? people who feel that way. Yeah, and exposed wooden beams in the ceiling? Sign me up. I don't care if there's termites. <laughs> That's my forever home. Uh, termites in a brick in a brick room. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> right, of course. Yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> As you can see, I, I know a lot in this area. Um, years yeah. ago, I shouldn't be saying this, but I'm going to. Years ago, I was dating a girl who had a roommate and my ex-girlfriend had found the place and then her roommate came in and immediately put all of her stuff in the room that had exposed brick and didn't give my ex-girlfriend the chance to say the room she wanted even though she found the place and then she this like forever scam. held this grudge against her because <laughs> she got the room with exposed brick when she wanted the room with the exposed brick and it was like the focal point of their tension whenever I was there, I could feel it. And it was all because one girl took the room with the exposed brick from the other one in a backstabbing way. It's wow. currency. It is currency. So now it sounds like you might have some lingering exposed brick trauma. And so when your fiance Tina finds the exposed brick cabin, you're going to go, whatever you want. Yes, you can have your brick. Take your brick. I won't take your brick from you. <laughs> and that's why I said I'm going to be stuck. Yes. <laughs> in a cabin in the woods that has some exposed brick. Wow. Okay. Anyway, like we said, <laughs> well, we're anyway. relevant. So uh, <laughs> we're going to get to Casablanca turning 80. 
which AFI said was the second greatest film to, get, uh, to Citizen Kane. Uh, so <laughs> we'll get to that. But first, I just want to briefly mention Glass Onion for two reasons. Uh, number one, ha- well, actually, number zero. Did you did you see it? Oh, not yet. I didn't realize it was for the podcast. No, you, no, no, you don't need to. You don't need to. You don't. You do not need to. Phew. Because I had okay. already, I had already asked you to watch Casablanca, so it wasn't going to be like, <laughs> can you watch this two and a half hour movie? Um, so I just want to do two like not really spoilery things because I don't want to spoil the movie. One, I will say I really enjoyed it. It's a vibe. I can't say everything in the plot makes total sense, but it's just like a good hangout with a bunch of celebrities and a lot of style to it. Um, but a person that we that we eulogize on this podcast makes her final film appearance in this movie. <gasps> wait. Oh, goodness. Who? <gasps> wait, wait. Uh, would it be... <gasps> not, not Olivia Newton-John. Not Olivia Newton-John, but... Th- I forgot that we did that. Yeah, no, not her. We do eulogize a lot of folks. So this there are podcast many is options. actually, if you're in the mood to eulogize. <laughs> um, who, who was it? Okay, I'll give you a hint. Okay. She likes to write one letter a lot. Wait, no, that's, damn it. That's dial M for murder. I, I was going to say, what? Wrote. Damn it. Oh. See, I would not be good at making glass onion. I'm really bad at hints. Um, uh, she was in <laughs> Murder She Wrote, Speedy. Angela Lansbury. Angela Lansbury. <gasps> She's makes in her the final glass onion film appearance <gasps> in Glass Onion. The Knives Get out of sequel. town. <gasps> I'm not gonna say how because that would ruin everything. But it oh. is connected to Daniel Craig's character, who is like a, uh, you know, uh, what's it called, a detective. And then, you know, she played yeah. kind of like a detective in Murder, She Wrote. Yeah. So. Oh, how fitting that her last briefly. role. Yes, that, that you would be mystery. in Murder Mystery. <gasps> Isn't that great? Daddy, you've made me very excited to watch it. Oof. If I just if I just told you that, you would have watched it. And we could have discussed both movies. Darn it. Ah. Not, not that I didn't take your recommendation seriously. But now I am screaming to watch it immediately. So. Yes, so she's in it, which is really cool, because you're sitting there, and you're like, is that? No. <laughs> yeah, no, that is Angela Lansbury. Angela Lansbury's in this. That's so cool. Mrs. Potts, one more time. <laughs> so rest in power to her. And then also, I just wanted to tell you about the soundtrack. It was really good. Because it, it's called Glass Onion, and then, like, like I don't want to give things away for people. Uh but the whole time I'm wondering if they're going to use the Beatles song, Glass Onion, which is like a minor hit. And they did. So happy oh, daddy. They, did. they used <gasps> my Beatles song because I would have tweeted at Ryan Johnson, the director, so hard. <laughs> I'd be like, hey, man. You can't steal their song and then not use it. You freak. <laughs> but they used it. so. so I'm sure thanks. that's what made him put it in the movie. He was like, I will never hear the end of this. That's right. Just shove it in there somewhere. Well, they also use Blackbird. So I was like, you know the Beatles. So when they use Blackbird in the movie, I was like, you better, you clearly, from the same album, they're both in the white album. So I was like, I don't want to hear it. Better (laughs) use both. Um, But there's like, they use Parliament Funkadelic. They played To Love Somebody by the Bee Gees, which is a version that I love, their original version of it. They play Starman by David Bowie. Really? uh, Yeah. Uh, Um,. So I yeah, 
Good soundtrack. Old solely soundtrack for us. Wow. You're giving me so much to look forward to in this crazy, mm. crazy life. I can't wait to Thank see you. Glass Onion. Also, Daniel Craig, delightful. Very charming. Oh, good. Is Jamie Lee Curtis in this one? I didn't see the original, so maybe she dies. I don't know. <laughs> there, it's like not a direct sequel. The only thing that the movies have in common is Daniel Craig being the... Oh. Wait, Jamie Lee Curtis? Wasn't she in the first one? Did I make that up? I think the... she is, right? That's She well, is. That's what I thought. Sorry. I think... Um... Tony Collette is also in it, and I was like, "Am I thinking of the same people?" Uh, Knives Out cast. Sorry, my cat is That's... licking herself next to me, and it's just driving me insane. <laughs> yes, Jamie Lee Curtis is in it, and so is Tony Collette. We're good. Okay. Thank goodness. Okay. Okay. Uh, many people are about to turn the podcast off because we're about to start talking about a movie that came out eighty years ago. But for those who are sticking through, thank you for choosing us as your airline <laughs> in a time when many airlines are not doing so well. Yes, we just experienced some very rough turbulence, but we uh, plan to land this podcast safely at the end of the Casablanca section. Thank you. Spady, this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. <laughs> uh, so Casablanca, as I read before, technically turned 80, even though it really came out in 43, but it premiered in 42 because they wanted it to come out before the seizing of Casablanca. Oh, uh, <laughs> uh it's kind of crazy. I can read some fun facts. I hope you've seen it. AFI has it. Uh, let's see. Top 100 movies of all time. The American Film Institute had it number two to Citizen Kane and then The Godfather and then Gone with the Wind and then Lawrence Arabia. Uh, top movie songs of all time, according to AFI. Number one is Over the Rainbow. Number two is As Time Goes By from this movie that Dooley Wilson sings. And then uh, of the top 100 quotes in a movie ever, uh, and these lists did not come out uh, that recently. They're from like 15 years ago. But uh, Casablanca has six of them in the top Ooh. 100. So a very beloved movie. People like, I think I once read an article from Roger Ebert where he said like, Citizen Kane is the more technically sound movie that was very innovative with like what it did with production and, and, and filming and stuff but like Casablanca with it's like relatable characters people will like more and that's mm -hmm. how I feel about both movies like it's it resonates more with you because you connect with the characters there's a love triangle it works yeah I do feel like most people walk away from Citizen Kane and they just think Rosebud and that's <laughs> that's what you get <laughs> And you're like, you would have you would have to watch a bunch of movies that came out before it to see like, oh yeah, this really was different. Right. We do a lot of this now. Casablanca, uh, as you you'll read if you look it up, was not supposed to be a very famous movie. It was just another Warner's Brothers movie, and it just kind of got lucky. It, right. That's what I Rod Reaper was saying, and I had a book. I have a book about it, and that's what it was saying too. Uh, I want to start here with Casablanca, Speedy. So I watch this movie every single year on Valentine's Day. I watched it early this year. Uh, can you imagine? This is what stuck out to me this time. Can you imagine trying to fight the Nazis while drinking whiskey every five seconds? 
you know what? You make an excellent point. They never ha- stop drinking in this movie. All right, the whole time. The whole time. Well, I, I did have that thought. I was like, gee, these people are trying to flee. They are refugees. <laughs> but man, are they having a swell time <laughs> hanging out what at What a shindig. <laughs> the whole world's a gin joint when the Nazis are coming for you. I mean, <laughs> they're having the time of their lives. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Every, really like, having I just, a ball. <laughs> so there's like three people who technically wrote this movie that won Best Screenplay. Uh, and But... And the book I was reading was saying, like, the reason there's so many witty parts and so many lines that are great in this movie is because, like, it just got passed around. Like, all these writers who were working for Warner Bros. just, like, took a stab at it, and that's how it got all these different lines in it. It's like a lot of people contributed. But, like, it feels like for all the writers, the only idea for things that people could be doing while talking was (laughs) drinking. Like, in most movies, there has to be some sort of mechanism so people can talk but it's not a play so you you need them to be doing something visually yeah and in this movie the only thing they could think of is ordering alcohol the whole time he's like you want to drink sure want to drink okay what do you want oh but rich never drinks with the customers and like the whole time it's just the idea of drinking weaving in and out of every single conversation and i'm just like aren't you like don't you want to concentrate like a little bit right that that's a great point and in fact now that i think about it that on i because i rewatched it to to freshen myself on it before um doing this podcast it, that didn't occur to me just because oh yeah it's set at um you know his his saloon um but even in the flashbacks of bogey and ingrid bergman having their love affair in paris they're in an apartment they're not at a club and they're still drinking. They're drinking then too. So <laughs> and, he, and even when like the day the Nazis are coming to Paris, they're like, he's like, well, we're gonna die. We better drink. Yeah, we better drink. <laughs> <laughs> Let's pour some champagne. We're gonna drink. Right. Like and also, if I was gonna die, champagne is not the beverage I'm going with. I don't want a headache when I die. <laughs> Ooh, I shouldn't laugh so heartily because this is a very grim image that's being painted but you're right yeah and champagne does seem a bit festive maybe go for like a whiskey straight from the bottle perhaps yeah and all of a sudden i have like a five o'clock shadow like at that moment and i'm just like <laughs> swigging <laughs> from my yeah, whiskey let them come for me yeah. no i'm going with something that i know tastes good not something i need to pretend to like to be social i'm just gonna get like a brisk iced tea or like Chick-fil-A <laughs> sauce. I would drink Chick-fil-A sauce if I was about Ooh. to die. Yeah. Honey mustard? Mmm. The mm. Nazis are coming. Get out the mustard. <laughs> okay. Let's actually legitimately start here. Uh, is In your eyes, when was the last time you'd seen it before we watched it today? That's a good question. I It's been a while. I think maybe eight years would be my guess. Had okay. not seen it in a long time. Yes. So I read you where it ranks all time, according to the American Film Institute. I told you it won Best Picture um, in 1944. Do you think this movie is underrated, properly rated, or overrated? Uh, I would say properly rated. I think it's pretty, pretty dang good. It really, really is. Um, You know, for me... It's not a movie that I have gone back to, and you know, not in the way where you watch it every single year. It's been eight years since I've seen it. 
Um, but that's just because of my personal taste. I like Judy Garland uh, flinging off a tractor. You can see down her throat, her uvula uh, twitching while she belts high notes. You know, I, I like movies where I can almost make fun of it at the same time that I'm genuinely enjoying it. Where this movie is just good for the most part. So, uh, I guess I answered in terms of my personal opinion, but, uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, th- I think it's just good. Uh, yeah, I would agree with you. I think number two all time is good. Now that's an old list. I don't know where it would rank now. I don't know if everybody these days, like, I don't know if like zoomers are watching Casablanca or millennials, like if they think. Yeah. Like if they if you ask them the best picture ever, are they going to say like Avengers Infinity War? Like <laughs> our end game? Like I don't know what the, I don't I don't know if people talk like this anymore. But I you watch Casablanca, it's eighty years old now, and you watch it and you're like, I'm invested in this love triangle. Uh yeah. World War Two. We're still putting Nazis in movies today, so we clearly have not come up with a bad guy since then. So uh <laughs> like we're still right. doing it. We don't have a better idea, so clearly, like, it's still relevant in terms of they're tackling the worst bad guy, and yeah. uh, it's incredibly like not corny. Like, it's very cynical. There's a lot of great lines. It's very yeah. quotable. Like, it just holds up. It's been like we did really Singing in the Rain when it turned seventy. It's corny. It's really freaking corny. It's delightful, but every there's no right. comedy outside of like what Nina Lamont and Cosmo say. But like this movie, like every line is like, oh, actually, that's kind of funny. Oh, yeah. There are so many lines that are not the famous quotes that really uh, tickled me. They tickled me. Like, uh, I loved, I think uh, he says, I'm going to shoot you straight in the heart. And then he responds with, ah, my least vulnerable part, which I liked (laughs) a lot. (laughs) Um, And I like, uh, there was that couple uh, that was talking about learning English. And then they say, uh, such much. I think that's probably my favorite line in the movie. Such much. It was just two side characters. Such much. Um, it's do, just so love, clever. Well, you love the phrase, uh, and such. And so, such. <laughs> you love such, and such. So I can see you loving it. Such much. Such much. <laughs> oh, that's such much. Uh, you stole something from me. Uh, I made a, because uh, Captain Renault, I'm not good at French. You're yeah, good at French. R- r- yeah, Renault. 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 Spelled like Renault, but. Renault, that's like Renault. Renault. Uh, he is morally corrupt, but he has all the funniest lines in he the does. movie. Uh, and I made a list while I was watching of his top five funniest lines, and then the one you just said about the gun is I'm like Mumpy Bogart's like the gun is pointed right at your heart, and he says that's my least vulnerable spot. Uh, that was my honorable mention one, but oh. he's really funny. So here are my top five favorite lines from him. Yes. Number five, uh, when he's trying to figure out why Humphrey Bogart left America. And he's, like, guessing, like, he, like, uh, did something. Like, he, what's the word? I think he the says, word, like, absconded. Yeah, the word. Oh. He says, like, you, like, misused church funds, uh, something else. And then he says, I'd like to think you killed the man. It's the romantic in me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's just, yes. he's so sassy. He is so sassy. He's very, almost Oscar Wilde, I feel. That's my old soul comparison. I don't know 
Oscar Wilde that well. I'm sorry. Oh, it's okay. He says sassy, clever things is also oh, okay, good. too. Okay. And such. Okay, good. Such good, much. Good, 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 good. Yes. Such much, such much, and such. Uh, he, he, he's talking about putting a drink on his tab at Rick's. And he says, it's a little game we play. They put it on the bill. I tear up the bill. Right. <laughs> uh, and then, of course, these are all like very famous phrases. He says, round up the usual suspects. Uh, right. he, my favorite one, which is, make it 10. I'm only a poor, corrupt official. <laughs> oh, yes. And then his probably most famous line that I think people quote the most is when he shuts down Rick's and Humphrey Bogart's like, why? What ground do you have to shut down my bar? Do you know? And what does he say? Say it, Danny. Say it. He says, "I am shocked, shocked to find that there is gambling going on here." Oh, that's right. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and then, he, and then someone brings over a receipt and says, "You're winning, sir." He's like, "Oh, thank you." <laughs> he's so, such a delight. He's always been my favorite character, but I now that I'm older and watching it, like. I don't know if he can be because like what is he doing with the bulgarian girl is he like taking advantage of her like <sighs> set you know i don't know he hanky paint like because it kind of seems like it and that's really creepy but i i know I, yeah do, i was undecided what on that thinking? what were you uh, thinking i well, well yeah that occurred to me and I actually forcefully chose to ignore it because I wanted to delight in his character. Willful I, yes, ignorance that, is what I that's chose. That's why it's hard. Because you're like, I don't know, it's vague. Right. They don't want me to know, so I won't decide. That's I understand. I and I think many people do that with their favorite uh, songs and movies these days. Uh, yes. I, but I was reading... An article, like I mentioned from Roger Ebert, his review of this from like the 90s when he reviewed it. And he said that this is his quote. He referred to Captain Reno Rhino as, quote, subtly homosexual. You know what? That was the next thing I was going to bring up to you, Danny. Because on my last watch of this, like eight years ago, that thought did not come into my brain at all. But this time when I watched it, I was like, ooh, he's a little bit flirty flirty with, with Bogey. And he makes a, a joke at one point about uh, Ingrid Ingrid Bergman making him a bit jealous with how she was talking about Bogey. And at the end, yeah. when they leave together, of course, it's the start of a beautiful friendship. But it's almost flirty how he introduces the idea that they're going to leave town together. I'm going to get tickets for us. And I was like, oh, he's... He might swing both ways, this gentleman. Yeah, and he, he says, uh, when he's getting jealous, he says to Ingrid Bergman, if I were a woman, I would be in love with Rick. Yes, he says that directly. <laughs> yes, to Rick and Ingrid yeah. Bergman and Victor Laszlo. So I have yeah. no idea if he is sexually exploiting women so to help them get off of Casablanca or if he is in love with Rick or both by like you said, it could just be really vague writing from the 40s. I really don't know. He just yeah. has all the funniest lines. Uh, he but does. I think if you really look into it, no one in this movie is that morally sound. And in the age of Deadpool and all, and 
and Suicide Squad. We seem to love making anti-hero movies, so these are all anti-heroes. It's not that different from now. We we just make anti-heroes now and then somehow decide when they're okay. Right. And I guess the movie has decided that this fellow is okay since we're supposed to like Bogey and they walk away as friends into the sunset. Into the moonlight. Yeah, I don't know yes. how to feel about it, but I do love those lines. Um, okay, let's talk about Humphrey Bogart because he's a star of the movie and I believe he – did he win Best Actor for this? I, I did a screenshot of the Wikipedia – uh, not Wikipedia, <laughs> the Oscar wins. It won Best Picture, Best Director, Best Screenplay, and then he, Captain Rhino, named Claude Rains, uh, were nominated. So that means that Ingrid Bergman was not, but she won three Oscars, and that's way more than Bogart. So she has more Oscars oh, wow. than him, but she was not nominated for this. Um, which is nuts. Which is absurd. Uh, yeah. But let's talk about Bogey. Because uh, as you know, and I feel weird about this, I have a massive crush on Ingrid Bergman. She's not alive yes. in this movie. I think she's a, I think she's like 29 when they film this. I'm 27. Like She's just very beautiful. If I were a man in the 40s, <laughs> I would be in love with Ingrid Bergman. <laughs> but I'm not, so I can't be. But Bogey, oh. who's in his 40s, man, ah, uh, another weird <laughs> 40s trope. Ah. Yes. Yeah. Is he like when you're sitting there? You're like, okay, I don't know if he's handsome, and I don't know if he's charming, but for some reason it works. I know, it's weird. <laughs> yes, I can. I tell you, uh, I, I watched this when I did my rewatch. I watched it with my boyfriend Nick, and I guess Nick had never seen Casablanca, by the way. And he's a filmmaker. Sorry. I know, I know. And I don't think he's seen a lot of Humphrey Bogart movies. He just doesn't like noiry things. It's just not his thing. But his reaction to the first time Bogey's giant mug hit the screen, he said, that guy looks like a mortician. <laughs> and that's how I feel about it. <laughs> he just looks like a sunken-eyed, old, beat-up yeah, mortician. He looks like a mortician. It doesn't seem like he's shaved no. in the movie. No. He never looks shaven. He's in like a no. white tux, which is cool. but Right. Yeah. Like he's definitely cool. I respect him. And I think that he, if I went to Rick's, I would be drawn to him in a, ooh, is, does he have secret mob ties kind of way? <laughs> there would be intrigue. True. That is but the is answer. That's a... why he left America. Right. <laughs> He was in the mob. So I left New York. Um, right. But is he an attractive gentleman that I, I, I covet? Not in the slightest. I no. <laughs> and yeah, the pairing of him with Bergman is a little weird, but they somehow sell it, I think, just with their passion and acting. And um, they're just good at what they do, I think. I was, I was reading that... Uh... Like, this movie really, like, it was not finalized. Like, the actors didn't really know how it was going to end. They didn't know when they were filming it who was getting on the plane. Even though it was a play. But they didn't know how the screen play was going to be adapted. Uh, and that, like, the first day of filming, Ingrid Bergman looked at the director. And she was like, who am I in love with? 
is it Victor Laszlo or is it Rick? And then he was like, play it both. Like, you're not sure. And that's what she did the whole time. Oh, yeah. She she didn't even know she was supposed to be in love with. So she's just in love with both of them. Ish. That's so funny. I think she did a tremendous job because that's what I got from it. I got both. Can I ask you something? Yes. Okay, good. Because I was having this conversation with <laughs> Tina last night. What is it exactly that Victor Laszlo needs to go do? <laughs> why why can't she stay with him? Like, what is it that he has... Like, is he, is he going... So he's going to Lisbon, right? And then is he, is he going to America? Because I don't know how he's going to help from America. Is he going to stay in... In, in Lisbon and fight the Nazis there? Like, what is it that he is doing when he's not actually in France or Germany? Right. Is he texting people? <laughs> I think he's just going into any bar that has a pianist and asking them to sing patriotic French tunes. Yeah, he's like, if Nazis come in here singing a German song, we need to sing the French national anthem. Yes. At once. <laughs> what um, is he doing? Yeah, I just question. I don't know. It's so vague. <laughs> I mean, given this is 1942, this is less than a year after Pearl Harbor. So, like, maybe America just didn't know how this worked yet. I mean, America famously did not do anything about the Holocaust, even though he was in a right. concentration camp. We, they, America didn't touch it until the war was won. Uh, so maybe they just had no idea in Hollywood. Uh, but they're keeping like, like. Victor Lazo needs to help the fight. Like his cause, you're Ilsa. You're the heartbeat of his cause. Like, what's right. his cause? He's, he's going to go to Portugal and help the cause. I'm just, I'm very confused. There's no like cell phones back then, so how much can he do from afar? I just don't understand. Is he going to sneak right. back in? Not important. Right. Uh, yeah, that's a great point. Great point. I don't know. Um. <laughs> My assumption is that he's just trying to evade death at the moment, and maybe he'll figure it out once it gets to Lisbon. I, I don't know. But I like the vagueness. Yeah. I have to, again, embrace important. the vagueness. It's just yes. accept the absolute, and the absolute is that he is going to help fight the Nazis. They don't know how, but that's not important. He's important to the cause, and what would you do in this scenario would if she's that important to him should she go with him right in a similar way almost i feel that's how the romance between bogey and ingrid is operating as well it is sort of a, a vagueness there's, there's a vagueness to it like he he doesn't know anything about her personal life she's keeping it a secret they just but they they love they they love them together, love. You know? Are, are there specifics to this love? Are there building blocks? No. It's just, no. A, it's a connection. It's she never it's, says why. She's never, she's, she's like, Rick, you know I can never leave you again. I don't have the strength to do it. But she's not like, Rick, nobody gets me like you do. Right. Rick, you like the same music as me. Rick. You love like alpine skiing as much as me. She like there, there, there's no <laughs> hobby. They just love each other all the time. They do. They they love, and that's 
Right. Like with, with Victor Laszlo, and that's, you know, and that's why, of course, ultimately she's supposed to be with him. And that's what happens at the end of the movie. There are some specifics there. She really admires his work. He yes. w- was there for her in when things got bad. She, she says it. She says to him why their love yeah. is important. Never says right. to anyone or, or Rick anything about their love other than the fact that they're in love. Right. But, it's you know, just vague passion. <laughs> I would be like, Ilsa, uh, do the math on his age. Viagra has not been invented yet. How right, much love <laughs> does you he have five left more years of his tops. <laughs> yeah. We are in the 40s, and this man is in his 40s. You're in your 20s. Is this really make sense for you? Right. I also love when, when he's like, uh, he's like, where were you five years ago? And then she's like, I had but a brace on my face. Right. And you're like, <laughs> you're like, they had braces in the early 30s? I had really? the same thought. <laughs> like, what did that look like? With, with the rubber bands? Like, how, how did they do that? I wouldn't trust the 30s dentist in the Great Depression. Well, she's from Sweden. But, like, in the early 30s, right. putting and metal in they, my mouth? I was going to say, weren't they rationing metal around that time? I thought so. Were they made of wood? Was it like a George Washington situation? Um, if you're an old soul at gmail.com, if you could email us and tell us how braces in the 30s worked. Thank you very much. I really need this help. Thank you. Uh, since we made fun of it so much, I just want to Google their ages real quick so I can do the math and feel better about making fun of them. Humphrey Bogart is born in 1899, so that means he was... <gasps> like 43 really? when this movie came out and then ingrid bergman i love you forever he's a 19th century baby i actually yes, did he not was born know that before teddy roosevelt was president she's <gasps> born in 1915 in stockholm sweden so 15 minus 42 is 20 27 20, oh. 27 so she's my age okay she's born 16 years after him Yuck. Yuck. But that means she was my age when this movie came out. (laughs) Exactly. She's she's still dead, but my love for you at least is less creepy. (laughs) Yes, I I think it is perfectly acceptable to still appreciate her dead beauty now. I think that's very fine. (laughs) And I do. Even if you had but a brace on your face. But a brace on your face. A hunk of 30s metal. Hmm. If you're not Yum. so on gmail.com, if you can tell us more about uh, what braces look like back then. Thank you very much. Uh, I took a lot of general notes. Are there any things that stuck out to you when you watched this movie you didn't remember or that you liked or didn't like or that you really appreciated this time around? Hmm. Uh, just uh, me really reveling in the side characters, I would say. Yes, I felt that like is I... what makes this movie great. Yes, everyone is just wonderful. And I, I had forgotten how many friendly faces there, that there really were in this movie for me. Like the waiter, Carl. Um, so I actually Carl... like him. Sorry, I had a fun oh. fact. I shouldn't be. Please finish your Do sentence. It. I'm sorry. Oh, no. Now I'm desperate to know your fact. Okay. Carl's not in the original play this is based off of. They made him for the movie. 
Really? According to a website. Oh, I'm but. so glad he was there. So, yeah, I mean, continue. He, well, he, he just is the way that he is in every movie that he's ever in. Um, but I, I love him in a Judy Garland movie in the good old summertime. Uh, he plays the crazy boss of the music store that Judy and Van Johnson work at. Um, he's also in a Christmas in Connecticut. Um, he's just a joy every time he's on screen. And I was like, oh, can't believe he's in this. And Peter Lore, who plays uh, Ugati, however you Ugati, say his name. Ugati, creepy dude. Yeah, there's a lot of like yeah. really famous character actors, like prominent character actors who probably just yeah. lived on the Warner Brothers lot, who were in this movie, and they knew exactly yeah. the character they had to play. Peter Lore is really good at playing creepy people. Carl is really good at playing friendly people. Like They perfectly accentuate the movie. It, yeah. And then obviously uh, Reigns, who got nominated for an Oscar to play Captain Rhino. Like Everyone in there. Right. Is like has done this character before, and Bogart yeah. definitely had, and Bergman definitely had, and that's fine. It works because they basically took their whole careers, everything they've been working on, and then applied it to fighting the Nazis. And in a movie that came out during World War II, so it's like the perfect galvanizing force using that experience to fight this new terrifying experience. And that's why this movie is better than the Avengers. I see. <laughs> Listen up, kids. We have a moral at the end of this podcast. And Casablanca yes. is better than the Avengers. Thank you. Finally, somebody said it. Uh, <laughs> there was a rumor like 15 years ago that Madonna was trying to remake this movie, and everyone said no. Huh? <laughs> really? Everyone was like, no, you can't touch that movie. Like, this is not gonna... That and Citizen Kane, like, no one's going to touch it. You can't. Yeah. Right, and how could you? I mean, it's so special that it was made at the time that this was really happening on the globe. How yes. could you make it now? How, yeah. and, and, and if it was going to be someone, is it Madonna? What, oh, wait, she was going to star in it. I assume that was my guess, <gasps> but I would imagine. She was trying to bring back her acting career. Oh, that's so strange, right? She can't be Ingrid Bergman. I'm sorry. No, no offense. I don't, but no. <laughs> <laughs> Can you like, Rick is like, you're getting on that plane. And then she's like, life is a mystery. <laughs> when you call my name, it's like a little prayer. I'm down on my knees. Please don't make me go to Lisbon. Now, now so who would be bogey, do you think? No one. Every actor these days is like either 70 or 20. And both of them are playing 30-year-olds. <laughs> Timothy Chalamet. Uh, who, yeah. um, George Clooney. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, he's like 60 now, but he could totally right. do it. Uh, yeah. I wouldn't be happy about it, but. You know what would yeah. be great at this? I think Idris Elba would kick butt at this role. Like, he's Ooh. like charming, handsome, can play grumpy. Yeah. Like, he would be good. Ooh, that would be good. I'd like to see yeah. him. Well, I don't want this movie to be remade. But no, if that nightmare think. came true, he would be great. Yes. And um, Captain Reno can be Billy. I no, what's his name? No. Billy <laughs> Eichner, <laughs> your former boss. <laughs> oh yeah. For a second, I thought you were going to say Billy Eilish, and I thought uh, me too. I you had like, lost it, your damn. mind. <laughs> <laughs> I would lose my mind if they tried to remake this movie. Yeah. Like you said, oh, o- Oscar needs- Isaac yeah. could be awesome. 
I Oscar Isaac, they could be like Oscar Isaac in the toothbrush, and I would watch it. <laughs> I love him. Yeah, he's great. He's great. That's a good one. Ooh, no, you're right. I want Oscar Isaac. Ooh. Are we now excitedly recasting Casablanca? Now that you've got some names in there, I mean, you need a Bergman. You need you a do. Bergman. How, how do you get a Bergman? I don't know. Uh, okay. What if they remade Casablanca, but to fulfill and satiate your point, they set it in, like, Ukraine? Oh. They picked like a modern world war. So it still took place during the crisis that it was about. So it's not old. Like a modern one. In like near Whoa. Ukraine. Mila Kunis is from Ukraine. Maybe she's Ingrid Bergman. She could be. Her and Oscar Isaac come over from America. And then you have Mila Kunis, who's born. I think she's, yeah, she's from Ukraine. Just think you right. know that just, just, again not allowed right. to and do it but but <laughs> right and if you were going to do it you wouldn't want someone to just try to be a bergman lookalike or try to yeah. copy what she did so mila kunis would be perhaps a more sultry uh mysterious take on the role i'm trying so hard to make this work um okay before we go i want to see other things i really want to talk about um i just even though this movie's like written by jews i i i just want to say uh why can't victor laszlo just be jewish would it have been that hard is it because he's <laughs> because legally in 1940 you could not have a jewish person on screen who was tall is that why it was against the law <laughs> to have like a strapping jewish character why isn't he jewish like, yeah why isn't he jewish <laughs> What the hell? He's just like a French yeah. freedom fighter. Why can't he was in a concentration camp? Why are you right. like hinting at it? Why is this one of the vagueisms? That's true. You make his an excellent sh- point, Danny. You really do. His, his name should not be Victor Laszlo. It should be like Seth Greenberg. It should be like I'm getting on that plane with Seth Greenberg. Seth Greenberg. Hero. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I, that probably would have meant a lot to little Danny watching this movie. But you didn't get to have that. No. There's so many things I missed out on. Ingrid Bergman and uh, <laughs> like a like a Jewish non-stereotyped character in the early 40s. Yeah. So. Anyway, that's my one gripe. Um, oh, one other thing. Not because of where you were going. Not because of what love you were leaving. Just like... Technologically speaking, scientifically speaking, would you really get on that plane? <laughs> like, would you really look at a propeller plane and be like, that could cross the Mediterranean? <laughs> uh, no, it might be a death sentence. That's what I'm saying. Like, I'm not getting on that plane, not because I'm leaving the love of my life, because uh, it's small and crossing a body of water and right. has propellers. And it's cloudy. Yeah. It's very cloudy outside. <laughs> There's fog. Yes. It is night when we are escaping, which doesn't help. All the elements are against you. Uh, and you're in a 40s plane. I'm not getting on that plane. Propeller plane. Yeah. 
True. If your whole point of getting on the plane is to evade death, why are you getting into the death machine? <laughs> why? <laughs> like these, these are the real questions. <laughs> if if a Nazi had discovered that they were getting away and simply just pointed a slingshot and fired <laughs> a small stone at the plane and hit it, it's crashing. It's done. It's that true. plane's not surviving anything. Oh, I can't recall. Was there wind in that final scene? Were trees swaying? So when... A lot of that scene, it looks foggy, but I can't tell if that's just the 40s because they had to like... Everything in the movie is filmed in the Warner Brothers lot, except that scene is at a small airport nearby. So I can't tell if it's just like they weren't really good at filming outside at that point or uh, if it's really foggy, in which case there's just no freaking way that they're surviving. Um, <laughs> oh, I do want to acknowledge, uh, play it again, uh, Sam, which is not a real line. That's a malaprop uh, or not a malaprop. Right. That's a phrase that everybody thinks is said in the movie but isn't. Uh, yes. He just says, play as time goes by. Uh, Tina and I have that picked out as uh, the song that we're going to dance to at our wedding. So Really? That's how much that's, this movie means to me. That's very exciting. Very exciting. Thank you. Are you going to tell someone to play it? Will you say that into a microphone? So that's the problem. Oh, I see what you mean. I was going to say we have a band. I don't know if they can play it. But that would be really funny if I was like, Hey, wedding band, play the song for me. Play as time goes by. And then they're like, um, hey, we only know uh, what's a modern Mambo love song? number five. <laughs> <laughs> we only know shout. Sorry. <laughs> we don't know any We only know the Cupid shuffle. Is that is that okay? <laughs> is we that know Cotton Eye Joe. Is that, is that what you want? <laughs> You must remember this. A kiss is still a kiss. A kiss. A sigh is still a... Oh. You know what? We should end the podcast with uh, how Ingrid Bergman tries to describe the melody when he's playing down. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, it goes like this. Help me remind you. Da-day, da-day, da-day. I thought I told you never to play that song. Yeah. Well, see, and she said she was going to hum it, but she chose scat. She does not hum it. Yeah, you're right. That's not a hum. That is a scat. That is scat. But you're perfect, Ingrid. And we just have to change the definitions. That's all. Call Webster's. They have to swap them. Because you're always right. And I love you. That's right. I'm going to hum Mambo number five for you. Die, 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 die,